Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader. And so I have to find a smarter way than just working more, that whatever the market conditions are, whatever the intensity of your current client work is, you always have a system that fills your pipeline. Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Simon Severino. Simon's the author of Strategy Sprints. Using the Sprints method, Agile expert Simon shows leaders how to transform their business with 12 assignments or sprints that will make them more impactful as a business leader, grow their revenue, and make their strategy execution rock. With almost 20 years' experience within the leadership and entrepreneurial space, Simon joins us today to share his insight as a leader and a human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Simon. It's great to have you with us. Hey, Amy. Hey, everybody. I'm happy to be here. You know, it's great to speak with you. I'm looking forward to this. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. So we're not going to host the CEO podcast as much as we'll find out about your background and, and your organization. But I think one of the topics that is quite important, it's on a lot of people's agenda at the moment, is the recession that's potentially going to be impacting organizations. So what we were going to talk about was how to prepare for a recession and reduce the risk of running out of business as a small business. So Simon, I'll hand over to you because I know it's a topic that's close to your heart. Totally. And, you know, this is for people who run small businesses. So if CEOs of small and medium sized businesses are listening to this, this is vital. It's not relevant. It is vital over the next months. And if CEOs of large companies are listening to this, it is also quite relevant for them because they're all right now doing layoffs and riffs and uh, thinking about the business model and what is actually needed right now. So this is a very important question. What do your clients actually need right now in this changing environment? The first question is really to be open to what's changing in their life and what do they know already? Mm -hmm. What should they know, but they don't because they don't have the time to do all this research you are the expert, whatever your field is, you are the expert in their field. So you see a little bit around the corner for them. Mm-hmm. So whenever people tell me, yeah, but someone, but I hate sales. I say, wait a moment, wait a moment. What is your, what is your definition of it? And then they say, well, it's to push something onto people. I say, wow. Mm-hmm. That's that's the definition of violence. It's not the definition of sales, right? Yeah, but often if that is the perception, that's fairly ingrained as well, isn't it? Yes. The I, I don't know. It's 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 an old model, but it's still mm-hmm. out there. It seems. Yeah. Uh-huh. A friend of mine has a much better model, Marcos. He says everybody who has kids is in sales because you want them to brush teeth. Mm-hmm. That's a sales situation. often (laughs) and and my definition is that sales is basically the value that you can create and offering that value yes so it is like you see around the corner because you are the expert in something Mm -hmm. and now you have the chance and maybe we could say even the responsibility to share that information and people who receive that and experience the way 
you carry it as a helpful thing, they will ask you for more. <laughs> and a good salesperson is a person that can listen to the signals when they ask for more and moves forward bit by bit in a continuous fashion. Mm -hmm. And that moving forward, that's the sales pipeline. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the this, this service of being able to share that insight, isn't it? I think sometimes often good salespeople have to uncover the needs rather than just sort of go out and sell whatever, pitch whatever they're selling. I think it's about uncovering actually what do your clients need? How can you add value? And sometimes it's not you. Sometimes it's about being the conduit and pointing them in the direction of someone else that can help. But you have to understand the needs before you can even do that. Exactly. So the first conversation is actually very, very open. So when we <laughs> coach teams on how to improve their sales, we always recommend them to have a, a first conversation, a, a discovery call, and then later on a demo call. Mm -hmm. So the discovery call is absolutely open and you just try to understand where they are and what the best decision process is for them. So you help them make their best decision independently mm -hmm. of your offers. Mm -hmm. That might be referring them to a partner. That might be telling them to do nothing mm -hmm. uh, or, or just sharing your process and then say to thank me later. If if you offer them a demo call, that's different. Now you have identified their needs. You have found out that you are the best to solve that. Mm -hmm. And now you will offer them a walkthrough, which is where you start showing your program, your offer, whatever it is. But maybe we go back one second. So how can you create value in a sales conversation? HubSpot report on sales tells us that 70% of the people don't want to talk to a salesperson. They do not expect value. They expect just a boring presentation. Okay. And so that's not relevant to their needs. And even if you go to a pitch, sometimes if you're invited to, to present, there is sometimes a sentence in there, you are not allowed to offer a presentation of your company. Because people get in there and they present about their company, present about their offer. That's mm -hmm. the only wrong thing to do in sales. Unfortunately, this is what many people do. Mm -hmm. But it's the only wrong thing. The good thing is listening and then at the right point, sharing your expertise or so listening and teaching. That's actually a very good thing to do. Start with listening and then whenever you have the feeling that you know where they are, uh, and you know what's around the corner for them, then start sharing. Do you want to hear what I think is around the corner for you? Mm -hmm. That okay. sales. And there are two elements of this. There is opportunity creation and opportunity capturing. Mm -hmm. So the first part is prospecting. Right? How many conversations do you start per week? And the second part is closing. Uh, how many of those conversations become projects, become committed work? Now, there is a study that people are under prospecting. Most agencies, most B2B businesses are under prospecting. That creates the first main risk. So we have to talk about sales risk. We have to talk about costs risks. Mm -hmm. The sales risk is if you don't start enough conversations two months ago, this month you will have no sales. Mm -hmm no reliable sales. You might get lucky, um, but there are times that are less lucky than others. And so in those times, the only thing that can de-risk 
your business is having a filled pipeline with more opportunities than you need. Mm-hmm. That's why one thing that we coach people to do is not to be totally immersed in client work for months. Mm-hmm. Like for two months, you're just delivering, delivering, delivering in the client work. You have also to work on your business, yes. on filling yeah. the pipeline, starting conversations, moving them forward, reminding, sending them some information, some videos, uh, a quick audio, cultivating those conversations and those relationships. Because otherwise, when the project is over, then you have a problem. Yeah, absolutely. I said before the call, human's going to be 10 this this weekend. And we started out purely as a recruitment business. And in recruitment, typically, especially in the early days of recruitment businesses, they're typically feast and famine for exactly that reason. We do all the sales, get the jobs on, spend all the time filling the jobs and delivering for the clients. And then we've done no sales because we've been filling the jobs and therefore you're on a roller coaster. And it's, yeah. it's endemic in the industry or has been. So, yes. Yeah. And especially agencies do this. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I also I also run an agency and I have the same problem for a year. And mm-hmm. I remember being in the plane, flying to the client, on the one side, being grateful that I can solve their problems the whole day. Yeah. But then on the other side, I was very tired and thinking, and who's going to solve my problems today? <laughs> uh-huh. So in the evening, I will be tired. I have solved their problems. And and I actually should do two hours of prospecting and start solving my problems, which is, okay, what happens after this project? Mm-hmm. What's the next project in the pipeline? But I would be too tired in the evening. And so I had to f- find a smarter way than just working more. Yeah. And this is how I started collecting all those processes that are proven, that work, and that became the strategy sprints method, how you make sure you have a daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit, that mm-hmm. whatever the market conditions are, whatever the intensity of your current client work is, you mm-hmm. always have a system that fills your pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. And and so in that context, then, how are you defining prospecting? Is that researching the people you want to outreach to? Is that outreach? How do you define prospecting? It's starting conversations. Okay. With the people you are here to serve. So, for example, in, in, in my case, it's agencies. I'm here to help agency owners. And so the first part is research. Where are agency owners I should talk to? So that can be LinkedIn. Uh, can be creating a post about how tough it is to run an agency right now. And whoever starts commenting, I might follow up the conversation. Hey, I'm curious how you run it. I also run it. Should we have a coffee? Mm-hmm. So this this whole part is prospecting. The moment they book a coffee call on my calendar, prospecting is over. Now we are we are entering the the capturing part because now mm-hmm. we are talking about um, the offer. Mm-hmm. So, but prospecting is really starting those conversations. Can be doing events, um, online workshops. Um, Doing a podcast, having podcast mm-hmm. guests is prospecting. You will have found out by now that even if you don't want, some of your guests will become your clients. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's not the agenda, but mm-hmm. it will happen. Yeah. It's I, I isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I run a podcast just to learn from smart people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and I don't consider it prospecting, but it is because they sometimes become 
our clients. <laughs> and so every conversation is actually prospecting. And so, yes, the first part is research, which is who am I here to serve and where do they hang out? <laughs> How to get in contact. Right? And then talking, listening, listening, listening. And whenever you get a signal that they want more, offering. Mm -hmm. okay. That's prospecting. And so the next stage, talk to me about the, the strategy sprints. So how, what's that process? How would you lay that out if there were CEOs or business leaders listening that wanted to, I guess, redefine their sales process or de-risk the sales process so that they could capture more opportunities? How would we you? Coach, we coach for a, a period of 90 days. Mm -hmm. And in those 90 days, the first month is regaining 10 to 14 hours of their time because we have to get them out of the weeds of the client mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. so that they have 10 to 14 hours available per week to work on the business. Okay. That's what we do in the first month. Second month, now we have 10 to 14 hours per week. We will use those 10 to 14 hours to start setting up a pipeline and filling the pipeline. Mm -hmm. So if they already have a pipeline, which it's not that often that we see a, a very well curated pipeline, a well designed pipeline, uh, with all you know email templates and scripts, etc. In there, so first we we map the the client journey with them. How does your client's success look like? What milestones do you want them to reach? What is level one, level two, level three that gets unlocked when we when they work with you? Like mm -hmm. if it was a video game, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and then on the other side, so we set up this pipeline with them and we have weekly calls with them where we look at this pipeline and help them fill it and close the deals in there. So we help with the capturing and we help um, with the opportunity creation and also with the accountability that actually everybody in the team does it and shares it and comes mm -hmm. to the two formats of the week uh, prepared. One thing that many teams should do and and don't is having two meetings, two pipeline meetings per week. Okay. One is, is called the pipeline meeting. This is when everybody shares. These are the opportunities that I have generated this week. These are the, the biggest value drivers. So the biggest possible deals. Mm -hmm. And that's what I have committed with them. So for example, I've committed with them to have a demo call next week. I've committed with them to send them an offer. That's a pipeline meeting. And it's really important. In those meetings, you don't go deep into the opportunity itself. You don't discuss uh, the case, the person. Um, it's only everybody shares. And this creates a culture of prospecting, which is really important for de-risking mm -hmm. and for staying in the game longer and also for growing. So when you, if you have that pipeline meeting, you have a core system, which is really important. And the second meeting is an ad hoc meeting during the week, or you can fix, you, you can fix it. We have a fixed meeting, but some people have it ad hoc. It's mm -hmm. the opportunity review. That's now when one, one of us has a big opportunity and it's it's happening on Tuesday. There will be the presentation or the closing discussion. Mm -hmm. And um, 
the other people coach, coach the person on how to prepare, on the sales material, on the words. You can do a role play, an ABC role play, whatever they need to feel mm-hmm. confident and be very well prepared. That's an opportunity review. So these are two formats that are super easy to set up. And mm-hmm. if a team has that, they have reduced the risk of of, of going out of business. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and in terms of the, the balance of sales and delivery, so we spoke at the start about the, the feast and famine. Is there is there a formula that you found in your experience for the level of sales versus delivery? There is a line in the sand that we use as an orientation. So I, I have this image of teams that are like a turtle, a cheetah, or a dog. So, okay. And there is an evolution. So the turtles, they are 90% in client work every week and okay. just 10% on working on the business, mm-hmm. doing strategy and improving the, the workflows. Mm-hmm. So that's a turtle for me because they are underwater. And the words they use are, I am underwater. I don't have time for this. Can we maybe do this next month? Mm-hmm. Then you see that's a team that's underwater. Mm-hmm. They are 90% doing delivery. Okay. Now the next evolution is when they start saying, okay, wait a moment, let's take some time. Let's clarify the vision. Let's clarify the strategy. Now they have a plan. Now they move into cheetah mode. Mm-hmm. In cheetah mode, they are doing 80% delivery and they have 20% of time dedicated to improving the systems, to improving the Mm -hmm. material, to filling the pipeline. But it's still a very intense, it feels intense. And the words they use are are progress, massive results, congrats. Mm -hmm. And it's moving forward fast. It's fast like a cheetah. Yeah. But the intensity is high and you don't want to run forever on that intensity. After a sprint, okay. you need some lower intensity. Mm-hmm. So the next evolution that I see is the dog team, happy like a dog. Now those teams have a 50-50 split. The week is made of 50% client delivery and 50% solving their own problems. Okay. Um, automating some steps, mm-hmm. in making some steps more efficient, using software to to help you do that or that. Think about what can we outsource? Think about mm-hmm. prioritization. What do we stop doing? Because it's actually not working. Um, so the, the whole strategy work and improving processes, a 50-50 is my line in the sand. That's when I see teams being happy like a dog. Um, And that's usually at the end of our coaching program. The beginning, they they are like a turtle. I'm underwater. I don't have time. Then we help them free up 10 to 14 hours of their time. We start working on the systems. They get now fast like a cheetah. And they develop an intensity, which is is cool, but you don't want to have that forever. And then we move to 50-50 working in the business, working on the business. This is when they are now happy like a dog and they are delivering and their clients are happy. And it's fun to hang out with them because they are creative. They feel the meaning. They get some good feedback and also some good Mm -hmm. monetary feedback. Fantastic. I've not heard that analogy before, but it makes perfect sense. And and we spoke just before we started recording, we were speaking about where we are uh, economically in terms of the global situation 
and that there might be a recession coming around the corner. You said that there were ways that potentially organisations should look at sales differently in this situation. Can you share a little bit about that, please? Yes. So selling in a crisis is different than normal selling because you have now to be even more aware Mm -hmm. that you are wasting their time if you are talking about your product. And especially don't talk features, don't talk products, talk the vitals. And the vitals are time and money. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two things that they care about if, if they are in a recession and they are responsible to run families, to run a business. Mm-hmm. So then just listen to what's right now on their minds and hearts and offer things that can help them mm-hmm. with time or money. So can your offer help them save time? For example, recruiting is like that. You don't need mm-hmm. to search for six months right? I can mm-hmm. bring you to talent faster mm-hmm. that you're saving time. The everything technology is saving time. Yeah, We use computers to save time. Mm-hmm. If I have to calculate that, it takes me three years. So time. And then on the money side, can I help you reduce costs? Mm-hmm. I can help you reduce costs by 30% by doing this because you would need four people to do this and my my process can do it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, or can I help you gain sales? Like we say, in 90 days, we can help you double your sales. Mm-hmm. So these are the vitals. And in a recession, in a crisis, this is the only thing that is uh, relevant for people and they are open to to discuss and to explore. Mm-hmm. And so as a business leader, if you're leading a sales team, how would you go about communicating that process? Is there something within the book that a business leader could share with their teams to help them identify how to pitch during a crisis or how to sell during a crisis? Yes. In the book, Strategies Prints, they will find all my blueprints uh, for how a sales leader uh, can create a culture of accountability, forward momentum, and also mm-hmm. have the right meeting formats in the right cadence, because that's that's the core yes. of, of everything. And so two of them, uh, they will find the pipe uh, pipeline meeting mm-hmm. and, and the, the second meeting, the opportunity review. Okay. But they will also... Uh, find another tool, which is the the daily, the weekly dashboard. So every week, we like teams to this to look at the three numbers: one marketing number, one sales number, one operations number together. Mm-hmm. And this is something that usually they don't. Sales people look at the only sales numbers. Marketing look at nothing, and sometimes at marketing numbers mm-hmm. and operations also don't, don't, doesn't really look at numbers. They just check what's the next task. Mm-hmm. So instead of that, we, we install a sprint dashboard. And in those 12 weeks that we coach them, we will track with them 12 times the weekly progress in marketing, sales, and operations. Mm-hmm. And the good thing about this is that now marketing will see their involvement in sales. Okay. Because marketing is represented in sales. If marketing uh, works, then the sales conversion rate will be higher and they will Mm -hmm. see it. They would Mm -hmm. never see it. They would never see if they waste money on a marketing campaign. 
they will see it now. And they will see that when they do things a little bit different, oh, now this is increasing the, the pipeline number that goes from, you know, interested people to actually people on the calendar. Mm-hmm. Oh, this campaign is working. And vice versa. Sales cannot sell everything. You know, I, I, I can promise you the blue from the sky and then delivery cannot deliver. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's another conversation which is really important to have. Hey, what can we actually deliver? What are you promising? Mm-hmm. So all these conversations are super relevant and they don't happen in teams unless you have this weekly meeting. That's why we have the weekly sprint dashboard meeting. Yeah, that makes sense. And so a lot of organizations are sort of thinking that they need to sell more and often that means that you need to invest in your sales team. But actually in in some of your literature, I noticed that you were saying that you could automate almost is it 85% of, of the sales process. Yeah. How would you... How would you go about that? And there's a risk, isn't there, in terms of obviously the business is called human. We want to keep that human interaction. We don't want to be a faceless robots. AI is, you know, very useful, but it shouldn't replace human conversations. But how do you how do you balance that? And what is that 85% that you recommend? Yeah, that's why the 15% is still humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the when you start mapping out what is client success, Mm-hmm. And let's say you have six stages that you walk them through um, and and you solve one big problem for them in six stages. Mm-hmm. Now you can map it out and you can start automating. Automating means that software can help you bring the pieces together faster mm-hmm. so that your people can focus on those 15% which actually matter. Mm-hmm. Because think of a human task in sales, which is find their LinkedIn URL and copy it into the CRM. Mm-hmm. Now, those are the things that we will automate. Mm-hmm. A software will collect that information. And when you come to the pipeline meeting, you don't have to look for information mm-hmm. or you, you don't have to waste time on admin. That can be done by software. You focus on the really important questions. Which opportunities do we generate this week? Uh, what do I need from you? Who can help me close this deal? Can mm-hmm. you double check that this presentation actually fits to their current needs? Can you challenge me if I really understand what they are asking for? Those are the important conversations to have. Mm-hmm. And those are the 15%. Okay. The other 85% are admin tasks that should be done uh, by non-humans. Okay. And and so what should sales leaders, business leaders, CEOs be doing right now in order to, to weather the recession that may or may not be coming? It's, you know, we're feeling slightly more positive as the year kicks in, but what should business leaders be doing now to increase the sales? I had last week a conversation with an ultra marathon runner mm-hmm. and I asked him, when everything hurts, and you want to quit mm-hmm. and cry. How do you keep running? And he said, Simon, I focus on the one next step. And that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. And I remember myself being in some long distance triathlons where I just wanted to 
cry. <laughs> Everything was hurting. And so I was focusing on what's actually right now here. What can I be grateful for in this heart situation? Mm -hmm. So even when, when, when your legs hurt, I can, I can look at the nature around me and say, wow, look at these beautiful plants. I can smell the wind and, mm -hmm. the, and the sun is shining. So I can be grateful for things, even in the hardest conditions. And I think this is the important process, if you want, because 95% is not in your control. What is actually in your control, I say, the daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit. Mm -hmm. And so those are the things that I focus on in, 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 in all weather conditions. But that's especially helpful in very bad market conditions. Mm -hmm. My daily habit, how do I allocate my time? What can I delegate tomorrow to a software or to a colleague? Mm -hmm. My weekly habit, what are... What's the marketing number, sales number, ops number of this week telling me? Mm -hmm. And what do I need to discuss with my team Okay, about that? And the monthly habit is um, checking our three goals, which is our three goals for the three months, mm -hmm. which is strategizing, right? Yeah. Do we, are we moving in the right direction at the right pace? Is everybody aligned and clear? Mm -hmm. These are my three habits. So whatever the weather is, whatever the market conditions, those three habits are always in your control. Mm -hmm. And this is one important thing to do. When things get tough and running a business is always tough. Always. Yes. Yeah. So we are used to it. And what do I do? I focus on my daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit, one step after the other. Mm -hmm. Control the controllables. Yeah. 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 Okay. Fantastic. And, and tell us about yourself, Simon. Tell us about your, your background, where this career came from, where this idea came from, please. I did fall in love with the topic of how to enter a market, how to win in the market, because it's fun. When you talk about this to people, you have all their attention, all their time. They say, oh yeah, oh my God, yeah, can we do five days more here until we have all that market strategy figured out? And say, sure, let's do five days more. Mm -hmm. So that's why I, I love the topic. And, um, <laughs> and then like my friend says, life is sales. So I have three kids. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he says, brushing the teeth is sales. And I agree with him. Yeah. So for example, on the weekends, I want to do adventures with them. Mm -hmm. So the oldest one is seven. And so they're starting saying, no, I, I have my own friends. I don't need to hang out with you old guys. <laughs> I, I don't want to have fun all the time. I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. And so if I really want to have an adventure day on the weekend with them, on Monday, I have to plan it. On Thursday, I have to start marketing. And on Friday, I have to sell it. <laughs> I should not thought of it that way, but it's very true. As a mom of a nine-year-old, I concur entirely. <laughs> and so these are skills that I, I need in life anyways. And so I'm blessed that I can do this for a living. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And often, like in parenting, it's often it's sort of helping them to uncover the need. So the reason they need to brush their teeth, even if they don't feel like it, even if they think they don't want to do it or they don't need to do it, I get that completely. It's a really, really good analogy. Fantastic. And so, how did you get started in this? Though, was from your professional career. How did that 
evolve? Were you were you always going to be a business owner? Were you always going to be a CEO, or was it sort of you found something you loved and it grew from there? Absolutely not. I had no idea and I had no plan. <laughs> I studied philosophy and psychology. Okay. Because I just enjoyed reading. Yeah. That was yeah. my favorite thing, reading, philosophy. Yes. And yeah. literature. And then came the the time where the big consultancies were looking for people who had the best grades independently of what their major was. And that was my chance. Mm-hmm. So I said, yeah, I have the best grades. It's top, but it's philosophy. And one of the big consultancies said, we need you guys. Come in, come in. You can solve problems. You can have relevant conversations. You can mm-hmm. identify strategic levers. That's what we need. Mm-hmm. You, you have problem-solving processes also in the, in the humanities. Um, and you can structure problems and approach them in, in a scientific way. Come in, come in. And that was my chance. Uh, and so that's how I entered the real world. Yeah. <laughs> the world of companies and uh, as a strategy advisor. And I did immediately fall in love with those mm-hmm. market, market-driven com- uh, questions because they were the most relevant to the clients. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, I studied philosophy only at A-level, but really enjoyed the sort of, the headache that it gave you from thinking and problem solving and trying to figure, you you know, just get your brain around those topics and those challenges. And I think that's, that I can see how that evolved. Absolutely. Because you are problem solving, aren't you? When you're, you're, you're reading philosophy in your own brain. That's fantastic. Yeah. I wonder if it, that can't be a typical route into consultancy i wouldn't have thought i wouldn't have thought your story is typical as a philosophy quite atypical yeah that headache that's i think typical for entrepreneurs have headaches every day like oh my god how will i solve this now i have no idea let me push one hour then let me go for a walk and cook something and and get my head off this because it's too intense and then when i come back let me try a second round. That's yes, that's yeah. that's my morning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and so, if people were interested in working with you, reading the book, how do they find out more? How do they? Obviously, we'll attach a link to the the podcast. But the book strategy sprints they can find on Amazon soon. Mm-hmm. Soon, also in Chinese, if they want to read it in Chinese. <laughs> and. Uh, but it will take long because uh, it needs to be approved first. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> and um, we hang out at strategiesprints.com. This okay. is where you can also download the daily habit, weekly habit, monthly habit templates and other strategy planning and team alignment templates, strategiesprints.com. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing all of that. That's been really helpful. I've enjoyed the conversation myself, but I think the audience will find it helpful as well. So I appreciate you making the time, Simon. Thank you, Amy, for doing this, for showing up for your community with this consistency and holding this space. Thank you. 